want you to take a look at verse 2 and notice what it says there. It says, preach the word, be instant in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine for the time will not or for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap themselves teachers having itching ears. So we see there that charge to preach the gospel, to be instant in season, out of season. And then he also, I want to uh, point your, you to verse um, uh, verse 5 when it says, But watch out in all things, endure afflictions, and do the work of an evangelist. Okay? So I, I want to point out a few things in here. Whenever, uh, for, first of all, when it comes to evangelism and evangelists. You know, when you think of an evangelist, what do you think of? Okay? What do we think of today when we think of an evangelist? Usually... Uh, a really well-dressed guy who uh, goes around to church from church to church and preaches messages, right? And that's about it for a lot of them. But is that doing the work of an evangelist? Okay. I listened to a pastor one time, you know, who preaches all over the place all the time and gone from his church all the time preaching, and he was just like, you know, I'm doing that because you know God told me to do the work of an evangelist. It's so, like you know, doing the work of an evangelist is not just going and preaching from church to church. And notice what he says there too when he talks about you know preaching the word. Okay? And when you think of preaching the word, all right, just be honest with yourself right now. When you think of preaching, what are you picturing in your head? When you think of someone preaching, what are you picturing in your head? You're probably picturing somebody doing what I'm doing right now, isn't it? Somebody standing behind a pulpit, you know, dressed up in a suit and tie, preaching. If your son came to you and said, Dad, I want to be a preacher. You know, what you're probably going to think is that means he wants to be a pastor. You know, he wants to you know dress up in a suit and he wants to get up behind pulpits and he wants to deliver messages. Okay, and and this is preaching what I'm doing, but I want to show you in the Bible that you know when it comes to preaching, it's not all about being behind a pulpit in front of a congregation of believers and just you know teaching the word of God. That's not that's not what it's all about. And tonight, what I want to talk about is being a preacher and not just a pulpiteer. And if you don't know what a pulpiteer is, a pulpiteer is you know, just one who speaks or delivers sermons from a pulpit. That's it. And nothing wrong with that. It's a good thing. It's a great thing to, you know, it's a, it's a privilege. It's one of my favorite things to do. My, one of my highlights of the week, getting up behind the pulpit and preaching to you all. I love it. I enjoy it. You all make it easy for me. I can preach whatever I want and you all keep coming back. I mean, it's a blessing. I appreciate that very much, but... When we, when we look at what the Bible says, and when we, when we look at preaching in the Bible, you'll find out it's not always about being behind a pulpit and preaching to believers. And first off, I want to show us, I believe we've all been called to preach. And in Mark chapter 16, verse 15, he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And you know what? I believe that includes men and women. I believe women have been called to preach. Well, then how come we never have any women get up behind the pulpit and preach? I'll cover that in just a little bit. I'm going to show you very clearly why that would not be appropriate. But women preaching the gospel is appropriate. I think, I think it's very appropriate, but it is not appropriate in church for them to get up behind a pulpit and preach a message. Right? And you might think, well, that's a double standard. It's not. It's clear in the Bible they're not supposed to do that. A lot of scripture we could go to on that. But I'm going to show you real clear in a little bit what that's all about. But... Um, he, he did, he told him, go into all the world. A lot of people are sitting around thinking, I, I got to wait until I have this, you know, feeling or this calling come on me. And I believe I was called to preach. I believe God called me to preach. But when I, uh, 
when I believe I was called to preach, it was actually after I had surrendered to preach. There was a time when I basically went and I volunteered. And I said, yeah, Lord, I will be a preacher. If that's what you want me to do, that's what I want. And it was a time after that where I, I the Lord kind of confirmed it in my heart. And I believe that was what he wanted me to do. And that's what I set out to do. And I can't imagine myself doing anything you know, else but this. I can't imagine not being a pastor or in the ministry. But you know what? I think being in the ministry is something special that God doesn't call every believer into. But I do believe we have all been called to be preachers. I, I really do believe that. And women are included. Women, I believe, are called to be preachers, but not pulpiteers. Look at what it says in Acts chapter 2, in verse 16. It says, But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel, and it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out my Spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and daughters shall prophesy. And your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. And on my servants and on my handmaidens, I will pour out in those days of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. Okay, and prophecy isn't always just, it's not always just predicting the future. It's just preaching the word of God. And God said, I'm going I'm to pour out my spirit on your sons and daughters. He said the handmaidens, they will prophesy. And I believe women have been called to preach, but not to be a pulpiteer. Why is that? You know, what is, what is the difference between that? And I believe it's very clear because in a church setting, okay, in a church setting, we need to understand that, you know, there is an authority structure in a church setting. Is there not? And not in the Bible, in the Bible, it's very clear. It is a shame for a woman to be an authority over a man. And it would be a shame for a woman to be up in here instructing men and telling men what to do and or ordering men around. That would be a shame. Okay? Now, I know we live in America and it probably wouldn't bother most of us because we're used to you know, women boss us around in society. All right? They've broken most of the glass ceilings except the presidency still. Uh, Hillary, she came short of that, couldn't do it. Uh, and uh, we all enjoyed watching her lose. That was a lot of fun to see. Not that we care for Trump, but we just, it was fun watching Hillary lose. <laughs> that, was, that was the one great thing that came from the election. But um, at the same time, the Bible says it's a shame, so you know what? It's a shame. And we ought to be ashamed. And in the church, the church setting, you know, it is, it's a congregation of believers, and there's a place of authority, and women are not to be in authority over men. It says in 1 Timothy 2.11, let the women learn in silence with all subjection. But I suffer not a woman to teach, nor to usurp authority over the man, but to be in silence. For Adam was first formed, and then Eve. And Adam was not deceived, but the woman being, it, uh, being deceived was in transgression. That is why God put the woman under the authority of the man. In the home structure. In the home structure, the man is to be in authority over the woman. And therefore, it would be a shame in a church setting to have women in authority over man. I know there's, it's completely legal in America. I know America doesn't see anything wrong with it, but it's not the way God set things up. And it would be a shame for us to have women up here instructing men, teaching men. And you say, well, what's the difference then between them getting up behind a pulpit and preaching to men and going out and knocking on a man's door and preaching the gospel to that man right there at his house? What, what is the difference? Well, 
I think it's very clear what the difference is. It's because when a woman goes and knocks on the door of a house and a man answers the door and she's preaching the gospel to the man, do you realize there is no question in that situation who the authority is there, is there? There's no question. Everybody knows that man, he lives that house. That's his house. He could say, get off my property and they're going to have to get off his property. There is no shame in a situation like that. We see in the Bible that it was, it was all, it was important that women were always seen under authority. For example, in the Old Testament, it taught, we're not going to take time to look at the scripture, but if a woman who was not married, if she vowed a vow, okay, if she made a promise, she was allowed to do that. She was allowed to make that promise. But if her father found out about it, he could override that promise that she made. But if her father was there and he was present and he kept silent, that was seen as approval. And if he was silent, then you know what? She was now obligated to fulfill that vow. And it was the same thing too if she was married. Okay, If my wife, she would be able to vow a vow, say she was going to do something. If I'm standing there as her husband I'm in, and I'm in authority, you know, it would just be assumed if I have a problem with it, I'm going to say, no, that's not going to work. We've got this going on. But if I'm silent, that is seen as approval. And it was always just appropriate for women to be under authority. Their father, until they get married, and then it was their husband. And so in a church setting, there's authority structure there. And it would it would look bad. It would be a shame for a woman to be instructing. But when a woman is out and about preaching the gospel, she goes to a man's house, there is no there is no shame in that. There is no question of who the authority is. If my wife is out here in town and she is with another lady and they are talking to a man at his house, everyone knows who's the boss in that situation. If he, if they are talking to him, it is clear that he is giving them consent, isn't it? It's clear that he doesn't have a problem with it. It's clear that he's okay with it. So there's, there's no shame in that. There's no women, uh, you know, stepping outside, you know, stepping out of bounds or anything like that. And I do believe that it is okay for women to give the gospel to men. I don't, I don't think that is a bad thing. I don't think there's anything out of line with that. But, you know, you know, said it might be a little more difficult. A lot of men might not want to get straightened out by a woman, you know, but at the same time, sometimes, you know, sometimes they do. Sometimes they listen and thank God when they do. And so there is, there's, there's no doubt. Nobody even questions who's in authority in a situation like that. And so I do believe that's what the difference is. But another thing we need to understand too, when it comes to the call to preach, and I've, this is something that I, you know, I've, I've been talking about the camp meeting crowd, right? And the camp meeting environment, the camp meeting, the camp meeting culture, I guess you could say. But in a lot of places, in a lot of churches, okay, if you are a preacher, okay, if you have a title, a specific title of preacher, that could be a pastor, you know, even assistant pastor, missionary, evangelist. If you have one of those titles, all of a sudden you have just been elevated, okay, and it's like the, the biggest thing you can do, your biggest accomplishment, it's what pulpits you can get behind and where you preach. Where you preach, who you preach for, how many people you can preach in front of at one time. That is what it's all about. And, mo- and for most people today, some preachers, the only place they preach is behind a pulpit. That's it. And it is the, people will look at some of these guys 
who they do, they preach in all the big conferences. They preach in all the biggest meetings. You know, they some, maybe have the biggest churches and preach to the biggest crowds. And people look at them like they are just the greatest preacher in the world. But I'm here today to tell you there's a difference between a preacher and a pulpiteer. There are some great pulpiteers that can get up and they can give an eloquent message. I mean, they can get up and they can entertain. They can have you on the edge of their seat. They can have you crying when they want you crying. They can have you laughing when they want you laughing. And some of them too are even good instructors. And they're, and they're, they preach good things. They teach good things. But you know what? One thing I've noticed about a lot of these guys, one thing they can't do is they cannot handle real preaching. What, and what are you talking about real, with real preaching? Well, I believe that when it comes to the call to preach, that it's a lot more footwork than mouthwork. Look what it says in Romans chapter 10 and verse 13. Romans chapter 13, 10, 13 says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And how shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him in whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. Notice what it's talking about when it's talking about them preaching. It's talking about their feet. Now, why is it talking about their feet? Is it because these guys walk around a lot when they preach? You know, because they, they move. No, why is it talking about their feet when it's talking about them preaching? Because when they would talk about preaching many times in the Bible, it was not them getting up in some nice fancy building or a fancy synagogue and getting up in front of a big crowd, standing around a pulpit, having everybody cheering for them before they get up there and praise them and giving them all this glory. It was because these people, they just went wherever they could and they preached to whoever they could. Most of the time these guys preached, they were on their feet, not meaning they were standing behind a pulpit, meaning they, they were walking. They were going from place to place. Wherever they could go, and they're just taking the gospel to whoever they can. And look, let's look at some of the places where they preached in the Bible. Mark chapter, uh, Matthew chapter 3, verse 1. In those days came John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness of Judea. You know, some of these preachers are out there. One of the most well-known camp meeting preachers. I remember the first, uh, I had heard him preach one time at a big church. He was in, a, in one of the big churches I got to hear him preach. And it was entertaining. It was great. He got up and he went and told this story about when he visited this black church and he was imitating stuff that goes on in black churches. And it was funny. And he had some great jokes that he told. And they were funny. And honestly, I don't remember what he preached about at all. I just remember when he was he offended all the homeschoolers on purpose because of their church, they have a Halloween party. I know all you homeschoolers are mad, but we have a Halloween party every Halloween at our church. That's all I really remember. But it was entertaining. I will say that. And then the next year... I went there and I heard him again and he told all the same jokes, preached the exact same message, did the whole black church thing and offended the homeschoolers again at their Halloween parties. Exact same message the next year. It was like he only had a few routines. And, but you know, he was, he was lively there. It was great. And then a short while later, we went and he was going to be preaching less than an hour from where we were at. And this church kind of like boycotted the meeting. It's a long story what happened. But my wife ended up, they, they called my dad to see if some of the piano players could go and play the piano because their piano player like boycotted the meeting too. And so my wife went there to play the meeting. Well, we got there and there's like hardly anybody there. I mean, there's almost no, they, they got the big 10 up and everything and there's like almost nobody there. And I remember I went and I was like, well, maybe I'll get a chance to meet him this time. You know, this is, this guy's really well known and he's sitting up there in the front all by himself. Right, here's a good time to meet him. He's sitting up there at the front. Just kind of got his head down, just 
And I went up to introduce myself to, to him and he just kind of looked at me. He's like, hey, my name's Tommy McMurtry, you know, from Lighthouse Baptist. And, Hi. It was like, it was, he had this attitude like, what am I doing here? What am I, you know, why did I come all the way here to preach to ten people? You know, that's how big of a big shot he was. Just a sorry attitude. You know, I get, you know, he, he doesn't, didn't act like that when he was at the place with, you know, several hundred people. That's, you know, but some of these guys, they are, they're such big shots. And you know what, I'm just going to guess, but I don't think you actually see him preaching like in the Bible that often. And going from door to door and house to house, preaching the gospel wherever they can. In fact, in these camp meetings, these camp meeting preachers, they're always bashing people like us. They call us screen door evangelists. Screen door evangelists, they call us. Because you know what? There's nothing as, you know, it's not as prestigious standing on a porch, you know, where there's cigarettes all over and beer cans and preaching to a lost person. And it is getting up behind a big pulpit in a fancy building with hundreds of thousands of people and preaching to them. They look down on us and they criticize us. Well, all they do is preach to a bunch of saved people, a bunch of garbage to make them think they're not saved anymore. You know, some of y'all, you've been thinking bad thoughts. You got, you know, don't go to church on Wednesday. I don't think the Holy Spirit's really in you. You need to get saved. And those, the only people that ever get saved in their ministries are church members. They got saved last year when they preached the same message at that meeting. And they get saved every year at these camp meetings. And I've seen some of these people before. I'm not lying. I, I know people. I've, I've seen them get saved three or four times. And it's these people, they, they've got this messed up mentality. You've got to preach in this big, exalted position. There are some guys, they're so big, they're so well-known, they won't preach anywhere unless they're guaranteed to get a certain amount of money. They're not just going to come for a love offering or whatever. You've got to guarantee them so much money. Because they've got all these big places trying to get them. And, you know, they're not going to turn down one of the big places for one of these little places unless you're willing to cough up the dough. Or, and, and every once in a while, they'll do one of the little places so they can act like they're not a big shot. But then they got to tell everybody, oh, I preach to the church with 10 people and stuff like that and make a big deal. But it's a joke. But you know what? John the Baptist, he preached in the wilderness. And he wore camel's hair. I mean, these guys, too, I mean, they, some of them, they dress pretty snappy. And I'm all for dressing nice. I dress as, I dress as nice as I can afford to dress. And if y'all don't like how I dress, you think I should dress a little nicer, y'all can help me out with that real easy. All right, go buy me a fancy suit. I'll, I'll wear it. I don't care. You want a $500 suit or something like that? I, I'll take it. I like nice clothes, but I'm not paying for them. Can't afford it. Some of these guys do. We went to one of the big, the big conferences down south one time. And I remember I noticed that. Man, these people were, they were dressed sharp there. I was like, man, alive. Remember silver boots. We talk about silver boots to this day. Uh, he was like, I'll bet those boots, I don't know how many hundred dollars those things probably cost. And, uh, you know, look, look pretty, look pretty nice, but, uh, we can't afford that stuff. But these people, you know, still, you think silver boots went out after the service and went soul winning and his thousand dollar cowboy boots? That ain't going to happen. He's not going to wear those things. Those things look brand new. He probably had them for three years too. <laughs> Knowing these people, I mean, it, it's, it's, it's ridiculous. It's sad, but it's the mentality. But Matthew 4.23 says, Jesus went about all Galilee teaching in their synagogues. Oh, those were probably nice. And preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people. He didn't just preach in the synagogues. He went among the people. Do you think they were letting those diseased people into the synagogues? No, he went all over. He went among the people. He went to where the people were 
and he preached to them. In Matthew 9.35, And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. And in Matthew 10.7, And as ye go, preach, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Notice what he says. He says, as ye go, preach. As you're going along, you know, preach wherever you can. Remember Jonah when he went to Nineveh? Remember how he preached? He just preached walking through the city. He didn't go and get the head city people together and say, all right, listen, I need you to set up a meeting. I want you to find the nicest public location you got. I need a nice sound system, really good. My voice is a little, you know, having trouble right now. And I need you to get all the people together and that way I can preach to them. No, he didn't do that. He walked through the city just preaching on feet or on foot. He's preaching on the go. Matthew 10, 27, What I tell you in darkness, that speak ye in light. What ye hear in the ear, that preach ye upon the housetops. Wherever you can go to get the word out even more, do it. And I just want to smack some of these preachers too over the head sometimes. They're, they're always talking about us, you know, preachers, you know, trying to get big on YouTube and stuff like that. And, you know, I don't really care about that. But, you know, when I see that and it says when we preach, you'll preach it on the housetops. Well, we have this thing called modern technology today that's a lot more effective than preaching on the housetop. I, can, I, I have people that listen in other countries to the preaching that I do. Because, and I'm going to use that. I'm going to take advantage of that. And none of them talk about how they would get their sermons published in newspapers and delivered all over the place. There was nothing wrong with them doing that. There was nothing wrong with them becoming a big name with a newspaper. But then somebody else starts doing it with Better technology, there's something wrong with them. It's amazing the double standards these people have. And it's just because they don't, they don't want to admit they're being left in the dust, you know, with their old ancient technology that, you know, nobody reads newspapers anymore. All right, except some old lady. All right. I hope I didn't offend anybody in here that reads newspapers. But I don't know. Maybe some younger people do. Matthew 11, 1, it says, And it came to pass when Jesus had made an end of commanding His twelve, He departed thence to teach and to preach in their cities. And then in verse 5, it says, The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, and the dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached unto them. You know, just wherever you go, you're going to preach wherever you can go and go into the cities. And it's like a lot of these preachers today too, we're getting criticized for having soul winning marathons and soul winning events in places where we are not sponsored by a local church. Well, since when do we, you know, since when do churches have jurisdictions? You know, it's like I have, I'm supposed to go, and if I'm going to go into another town, I'm supposed to look on a map or something and find out, you know, whose jurisdiction I'm in, and I got to go get that preacher's permission to go witness to people. And you know what? If I'm preaching, or if we're doing soul winning in another area, I would love to have the other church involved. I would love to use their materials. I would love to send the people to their church. But the problem is, a lot of these churches, they don't want us to. A lot of them don't believe in soul winning. There's preachers today, they're saying they don't like soul winning. The pastor just texted me this the other day. This preacher had said he doesn't like going out soul winning because he doesn't want to get false professions out of people. He's afraid of giving somebody a false profession. Well, I don't want to do that either. That's why I try to be thorough when I talk to people. But what about, you know, when you don't go out, you're guaranteed to get no profession. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. But that's the attitude today. I, I, I'm seeing these things all the time. 
You know, like you're, you know, you're, you're picking unripe fruit. There's one thing I said. So what am I supposed to do? Just not do any picking? Not try? It's like these people, somehow you know that everybody I witness to, everybody I get saved wasn't ready. How do you know that? They just assume that we're going out there and just doing a one, two, three, repeat after me thing. They just assume that's what we're doing. Because they can't get anybody saved when they go out soul winning because this is what they don't want to tell you. It's because these people think you've got to turn from your sins. They're, try, they're going out not trying to give people the gospel and get them to believe on Christ. They're trying to go out and get a proselyte. We're going to come to that in a little bit. But they are. It's funny how these people, they know more about the people that I witness to than, you know, they, than I do. And I'm the one that talked to them. And they just assume that's what we're doing. And it's, just, it's because they're lazy. That's all there is to it. They, the only preaching they do is from here. From behind a pulpit. And it's like, if they're not willing to walk down in front of an old, you know, to an old-fashioned altar in front of a bunch of judgmental Baptists staring at them, you know, if they're not, if it's not like an Alvin York type experience. You all remember Alvin York? You know, he comes walking in out of the rain after getting struck by lightning and, you know, the crowds all gather around him while they're singing old-time religion and, you know, it's like, that's how it's supposed to be. Oh, you know, he really got to say there. And, you know, but where in the Bible do you see they have to do that? Where in the Bible does you show you have to be willing to humiliate yourself to get saved? You know, it's just not there, but that's the mentality today. And, but, um, in Acts chapter 5, say, so well, all that stuff, you know, that was in, before Jesus, you know, in the, still in the Old Testament dispensation when they were, when they were preaching like that. We're in the church age now. This is where we preach behind pulpits. But you know, in Acts 5.42, it says daily in the temple and in every house. They ceased not to teach and to preach Jesus Christ. Acts 8.4, Therefore they that were scattered abroad went everywhere, preaching the Word. They're on the go. Verse 5, Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria, Samaria and preached Christ unto them. Verse 35, And Philip opened his mouth and began at the same Scripture and preached unto him Jesus. He's out in the desert at this point, preaching to one guy. Verse 40, But Philip was found in Azotus and passing through. He preached in all the cities till he came to Caesarea. Acts 9.20, And straightway he preached Christ in the synagogue that he is the Son of God. So wherever they could. Synagogues were great because there was often a lot of people there who were looking for the Messiah. There was people... I mean, the synagogue was one of the best places to preach, you would think, because of the fact that here's all these people, they've been waiting for the Messiah. Let's go tell them that he came and his name is Jesus Christ. And so they would often preach in the synagogues. But what would happen many times they preach in the synagogues? They'd end up getting persecuted. They'd end up getting run out of town. Sometimes many of them would get saved. But most preachers today, they don't do any preaching unless it's behind a pulpit. That is pulpiteering. That's not, that's not, just, that's not just preaching. And we are, we're, I'm, I'm preaching right now, but I'm, I'm pulpiteering too. And it's not all that there is. It's not all that I'm supposed to do. If I am, if I consider myself to be a preacher, I should be doing the work of an evangelist. I should be evangelizing. That doesn't mean preaching in all kinds of different churches. It means going out wherever I can and preaching the gospel to people. Trying to get people saved. And most, you know, more than half of these preachers too, when you hear them preaching, going from place to place, all it is is stories. I mean, they barely crack open their Bible. And they just tell stories. And one of the things I've seen in a lot of these camp meetings, there, there's two preachers I know in particular, well-known, famous pulpiteers, who they're all over the place preaching. And I thought about writing it down and counting. But 
Most of their messages are stories. And all their stories began, I was preaching for so-and-so in such-and-such a place. And they're always mentioning who they were preaching for. And it was always a big name. Every story they have, it happened when they were preaching at a big-name preacher's church. And the funny thing is, the story they end up telling, where they were preaching and who they were preaching for was completely irrelevant to the story. But they always throw that in there. You know why? Because at these camp meetings, a lot of these guys, especially the evangelists, they're trying to book meetings while they're there too. And basically what they're doing is they're saying, hey, I got an endorsement from these guys. You know, I preach. For the big, you know, I, a lot of the older preachers, I was preaching once at a meeting with Dr. Jack Hiles. Whoa, he preached with Jack Hiles? You know, and then he tells the story and Jack Hiles had nothing to do with it. But it's like you had to let him know. I was with Lester Roloff, you know, one day. And they're always name dropping. And it makes them look good. You know, they, they never mention I was preaching for, you know, Pastor John Doe in Podunk Collar or something like that. It was always a big name and it has nothing to do with the story. You know what that, that is? That is called advertisement right there. That is called advertisement. And it's like they're get, making it like these people have endorsed them. So, you know, what? if so-and-so had me preach... Y'all can trust me. See me after service and we'll, we'll book a meeting. Just make sure you're willing to give so, you know, a certain amount of money or I'm not going to waste my time coming. And I mean, and it is, it's nauseating to listen to it. And they just tell story after story. And some of these evangelists too, I've heard them many times and I've listened to these same stories over and over again and they get better every time. I know one guy, I've heard him preach three times and I've heard him tell the same story about when he wrestled three times. He pre- he, he, every time I've ever heard him preach, he told this story. And it's a hilarious story. But it's like, man, is that all you've got? I know another preacher, I've heard him preach four times. And every time he tells the same story. I'm not going to get specific in the story because anybody who's ever heard this guy preach would know exactly what I'm talking about. But his story gets better every time you hear it. And it's, it's hilarious. I'll tell you the story after service. But it is, it's, it, it, it improves all the time. You know, and... The first time I heard him tell the story, it's pretty believable what happened. It kind of makes sense. But, I, I mean, in recent years, I heard him preach. I hadn't heard him preach in years. And he told the same story, and that story has improved so much. And it's like, man, you need to start taking notes of who's in the audience when you're telling these stories. Cause, and I remember these things. You know, I, I remember all these things that preachers used to preach that they're all scared to preach of now. I remember, the th- I remember hearing these preachers preach things that, you know, I preach sometimes. And they're all acting like they never preached, especially when it comes to stuff of the homos. They, they, they all preached that stuff at one time, but it was back you know, before everybody was recording it and posting it online. And so they're trying to act like it never happened. But you know what? I was there. I remember it. And I wish I had the evidence <laughs> and just to, to use it on these people. You know, you say, I'll never change. I'll never back down. It's like, yeah, you'll back down at some, you know, queer dude in skinny jeans, you know, threatening to protest you. That's all it takes. You know, some fruit loop. The, you know, the thought of him holding the sign out in front of your building is all it takes to shut these guys down. I'll never back down. I ain't scared. Yeah, you are. Yeah, you are. You're scared to death. And it's sad. But uh, they, once again, that is, that is the culture. That is the mentality. When you go to these camp meetings... I've been to them. It's all about, you know, the, the best preachers, the most loved preachers, the ones who are the most spirit-filled preachers are the ones who can get the most emotion out of the people. 
the ones who have them laughing the most, crying the most, running the aisles. And these guys know how to do it. And you all see me when I make fun of these people. I can do some of that stuff too if I wanted to. I don't feel like doing it tonight. I'm not, it's not, I'm not, I'm not in the mood for that tonight. But, uh, and I, and plus, you guys might start running around. You know? and, uh, and whenever I imitate the camp meeting preachers too, you all don't do a good enough job acting like the people in the audience of the camp meetings. That helps a lot all right? when people are going crazy in the audience. You all are way too northern. All right, y'all, y'all need to spend some more time down south and you, y'all figure out how you're supposed to act in the house of God. <laughs> but but look, look, turn over to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 5. But look what it said, this verse right here. It says, For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord and ourselves servants for your sake. Preaching is supposed to be about Christ, not about yourself. But you know, one of the things that I've learned, because I mean, I, I've gone to these meetings all my life. I have listened. I have learned. I mean, I've patterned my life. I have based my doctrine off what I grew up hearing from these people. But do you know one of the things that I've, I was amazed at when I started pastoring is how many things that I was taught and that I learned from these preachers that was right, but I never had any scripture to go with it. And I had to find it myself. Because when I started pastoring this church, I, it didn't do me any good invoking the big names because most people here didn't know who they were. So I had to start digging in the Bible and I found out, you know what? What I was taught growing up was true. But why didn't they show me the Scriptures on that? That would have helped me a lot. That would have been a big blessing if they would have used the Scriptures. And I know preachers today, I've listened to them get up and they're taking strong stands against all the trendyisms and the modernism that's going on in churches today. And these people are right on the money with what they are saying, but they don't use any Bible. And they wonder why they're not, they're not winning people over to their side. And they're wondering why they're, they keep losing the people that they're trying to win. It's because they don't use Scripture. You know what they do? They get up and they say, you know, y'all should be doing that modern junk in the church. You know, you ought to be, you, you, you need to do what I do. Uh, you'll never see me doing anything like that. You'll never see me behind a glass pulpit. You'll never see me in a pair of skinny jeans, bless God. Well, you know, that's great. I'm glad you're going to stick to all the stuff. But you know what? Why don't you give them some Scripture? Why don't you show some Bible principles? For those things. Instead of just running your mouth. You know, Jack Howes would roll over in his grave. You know, you know, Lee Robertson would roll over in his grave. If, you know, these guys who dress down in church. The fancy dress, double-breasted suit wearing Lee Robertson, Dr. Lee Robertson. He'd roll over in his grave if he saw these skinny jean preachers preaching in church. And you know what? He probably would. But you know what? These guys, they're not serving Dr. Lee Robertson. They're serving the Lord. So why don't you show some Bible principles to win them over on these things? I think these guys are right. And a lot of stuff they preach. But you know what they do? They preach themselves. And they don't preach Christ. And they're going to keep losing people. They're going to keep losing the next generation. And the only people they're going to win over their side are the... I want to say this in an appropriate way. The backside kissers. That's the nicest way I can put it. And there's a lot of preachers out there that are backside kissers. And they can win those people over. The guys that are trying to move up the ranks... Trying to be big shots. And let me tell you, fundamentalism is full of these guys. And the problem with the backside kissers is if once those big names die out, they're just going to go with the flow at that point. And they're going to be involved in the same junk that those guys preach because these guys have, they have no, you know, foundation for what they believe. Their foundation is dead men. 
when their foundation should be the Bible. And these pulpiteers, these people who, you know, these conference preachers, camp meeting preachers, all they do is they get up and talk about themselves. And I've seen this in my whole life where there was things that I was told was wrong. And I'm like, why is that wrong? And then preachers would get named. Well, so-and-so preaches against that. Great. Give me the scripture that he used on that. He says it's wrong. Well, you know, first of all, I've only got one pastor. He's not my pastor. Second of all, you know, the chief shepherd is Jesus Christ. He gave us his word. The pastor is supposed to be preaching what Jesus said. So why, you know, pastors, they need to start learning how this, where this stuff is in the Bible and stop invoking a big name. But that's not what they're doing. They're preaching themselves, not Christ. And it's the sad thing to see. But notice what it says at the end of that verse. It says, and ourselves servants for Jesus' sake. Preachers would be servants, not masters. Servants. It says in um, or, uh, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 1, And the elders which are among you I exhort, who am also an elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, and also partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. Feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind, neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being in samples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd shall appear, you shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. Preachers or pastors, they need to understand that, you know what, this is not, this is not my flock right here. This is Jesus' flock. And I have no business stealing your affection from Him and lifting myself up and my words above the words of God. I have no business doing that. And it's okay for a preacher to tell some stories sometimes. It's okay for them to give testimonies. You know, use illustrate, you know, life illustrations. There's nothing wrong with that. But, you know, I, you gotta draw a line somewhere. And when all the message is nothing but stories, and when you only use your life and no scripture, you're just wasting people's time at that point. And they're not gonna listen. Alright? Pe- people aren't gonna listen. At least you're not gonna listen to me if I'm just telling my stories. I gotta, I gotta give the word of God. I don't have the presence of some of these people. You know, I don't have, I don't have the full head of white hair to make me look really wise. You know, I'm not big and intimidating looking like these, some of these people are. There's some preachers, man, I'm going to listen to them just because I'm scared of them, you know, but I don't have, I don't have that presence. All right. Most people aren't too scared of me. And therefore, uh, I've got to depend on the word of God, but some guys don't have to do that. must be nice, but I'm not in that boat. So maybe that's helping me out. But I believe that preachers today have become the Pharisees of old. Look what it says in Matthew chapter 23. Matthew chapter 23, one of the roughest sermons in the Bible. Jesus preached to the Pharisees. Look what it says in verse 1. Then spake Jesus to the multitude and his disciples, saying, The scribes and Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. All therefore whatsoever they bid you observe, that observe and do. But do not ye after their works, for they say and do not. For they bind heavy burdens and grievous to be borne and lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. But all their works they do for to be seen of men. They make broad their phylacteries and enlarge the borders of their garments and love the uppermost rooms and feasts and chief seats in the synagogues and greetings in the markets and to be called of all men, Rabbi, Rabbi. But be not ye called Rabbi, for one is your master, even Christ. 
And all ye are brethren, and call no man your father upon earth, for one is your father which is in heaven. Neither be ye called masters, for one is your master, even Christ. But he that is greatest among you shall be your servant. There we see the servant again. If you're going to be the greatest, you're going to be the servant. And whosoever shall exalt himself shall be abased, and he that shall humble himself shall be exalted. But woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye shut up the kingdom of heaven against men. For ye neither go in yourselves, neither suffer ye them that are entering to go in. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye devour widows' houses, and for a pretense make long prayer. Therefore ye shall receive the greater damnation. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye can pass sea and land to make one proselyte. And when he is made, ye make him twofold more, twofold more a child of hell than yourselves. Notice here, these preachers, these Pharisees, what Jesus said in the beginning, you know, whatsoever they bid you observe that, observe and do. But do not after their work's sake. These people had a position of authority. And a lot of these preachers that are out there, they have a position of authority. They often do get up and preach the Word of God. And when they do, we ought to observe what they're telling us, shouldn't we? But you know what? We shouldn't follow their example. Because a lot of these people, they say and they do not. They hold an office, but they're a terrible example. They're ashamed. They're supposed to be servants, but they're masters. And, I mean, these people too, look at this in verse 5, but all their works they do for to be seen of men. Most of these guys, they can't do anything without tweeting about it. I mean, one of the things, one of my pet peeves that just makes me sick is when I go to all these meetings, after the meeting's done, you know, at the end of the service, the evangelist's up there taking pictures of everybody coming to the altar during the altar call. Taking pictures during the altar call. Why? So he can tweet it. And sure, everybody, oh, look at the great results. Full altars. You know, the Holy Spirit really moved after my message tonight. I watched Sam Gipp do that after he preached a whole message doing nothing but slamming Stephen Anderson. No, I mean, no Bible, just slamming Stephen Anderson. A message just dedicated to slamming a man. They had an altar call at the end of it. And people went, because that's just what you're supposed to do. I mean, what do you go forward to pray about when somebody preaches a message just slamming another man? What do you pray about after that? But some people went, did he's up there taking pictures of it. I mean, what a what an embarrassment. What a shame. You don't do that. But that's what people do. You know why? They can't do anything without being seen of men. I've told my wife, you know, it's like, you know what? Anybody who's out there tweeting pictures of themselves out soul winning and stuff, it's because they never they hardly ever do it. You know, and, and they're always if people have to brag about it and broadcast it, it's probably because they don't do this stuff that often. You know, I always was taught, you know, when you score a touchdown, act like you've been in an end zone before. You know, don't go out dancing and all that stuff. And you know what? When you do something good, act like you've done it before. Act like it's no big deal. You know, we don't need to tweet about it, you know, Facebook about it or whatever. You know, we don't just just do it and act like it's just another day at the office. But these people, they can't do it. What's the point of going out soul winning if everybody doesn't know you're out soul winning? You know, what's the point? Of, you know, giving the gospel to somebody if you can't show off the fact that you gave the gospel to somebody. You know what? Just do what you're supposed to do and shut up. But uh, forget that. I mean, what glory is in there? Is there in preaching the gospel on somebody's junky porch with beer cans all over through a screen door? You know, that'll just get you made fun of by these big evangelists. Oh, you got demoted to screen door evangelists. No, that guy's actually doing the work of an evangelist, unlike you. Just Mr. Brother Windbag. That's all you are. 
But you know, they've, they've created ranks and titles as a way to elevate themselves. Notice what he says in verse... It's talking about they love the uppermost you know, seats in the synagogues. They like the greetings. They like to be called of men, rabbi. And look what he says, but be not ye called rabbi, for one is your master. You know what that means? I got one person over me. And that's Jesus Christ. You know, and call no man your father on earth, for one is your father, and ye are all brethren. You know what that tells me? It tells me we're all on the same level. Now, that is not the way it is in fundamentalism today. We have ranks. I hear people saying, oh, in the ranks of fundamentalism. You know? And then people like me, I'll get criticized sometimes because I'm breaking ranks sometimes because you know I'm not preaching everything the way those above me are preaching. But you know what? According to the Bible, I'm not supposed to have anybody above me other than Jesus Christ. But these people are above me. And they, and, well, so why are you above me? Well, usually what gets thrown at me, my age, you know, even though the Bible says, let no man despise thy youth or the size of my church. And you know what? Listen, this is for, this is for people who watch online. Okay. You all, you all know our church isn't a big church. Okay. We're a small church. I'm not a big name. I work 30 hours a week outside the church. Okay. I am not a big shot, but I would like to say that there are two people but I'm very thankful for that they treat me like a big shot. They treat me like I'm really somebody. And one of those, you know, Pastor Steven Anderson, you all know him, big name, well known. I mean, big following. He treats me like I'm totally equal with him. I'm not doing one-tenth of what that man's doing. And the only other person that's ever been like that, that treats me like an equal like him, is our famous troll that loves to mess with our church. That guy treats me like a big shot. I mean, that guy, it's like he's trying to stop me like I'm just turning the world upside down. And I'm just like, I mean, I'm just going to be honest. I shouldn't say this. And he's going to love this. I mean, this, you know, this fellow, he loves nothing more than getting mentioned. I'm going to make his day. This is my Christmas present to him. Uh, with the sorry existence he's living, I think this is good for me to do this for him. I'm a nice guy. But he does. I mean, man, that guy is after me. Like I am just, I'm just tearing it up. Like I'm a big name. I, I feel like a big shot when I watch his. So I was like, man, that guy's focusing a lot of attention on me. He must really be threatened by me. I, I don't know why. I said I'm not scary. I don't have this massive following. I'm not turning the world upside down. But you know what? He treats me like I am, and I say, bless his heart. I don't deserve it. I don't deserve it. There's lots of guys doing way more than I am, accomplishing a lot more, much bigger followings. But you know what? When it comes to those two guys, they treat me like they treat me equal and feel good. And it makes me feel good. Hey, just last Sunday, we saw somebody start a new channel that was uh, dedicated to going against me. And I was like, man, I'm up to two now. I'm, I'm really getting flattered. But he already took the video now. I guess he gave up already. So, but uh, or maybe he figured out, ah, this guy's not worth it. But I don't know. Uh, but it is. I, I've seen that. You know, I've seen the people through the years. The big. Sh- it's always the big shots that get attacked. It's always the big shots that have these. You know, these forums and these websites devoted to attacking them. I never thought I would get one of those. You know, especially <laughs> with a church our size with what I'm doing. But uh, there are, there's those out there that treat everybody equally, and what a ble- what a blessing they are. But um, it's sad though how many preachers have caved to that stuff. 
You know, I, and I, I don't want to name some of these other websites because I don't want to give them any uh, extra fame or anything like that. But I tell you, what really changed things in fundamentalism are viral videos and just all the online criticism that comes. Some people, they just can't, they can't handle it. And it just freaks them out. And it's not so much that the, the preachers are scared of the trolls and stuff like that, but they're afraid of Mr. Moneybags in the church seeing it and getting freaked out and wanting to go somewhere else that's not so controversial. It's not that they're scared of the homos. It's not that they're scared of the trolls. They are terrified of the people in their churches getting freaked out and moving on. And so they're going to do everything they can to keep themselves from, you know, getting, you know, shining a negative light. And, you know, I would like to say too for that troll, you know, some of the videos that he puts out, you know, some of them succeed in making me look kind of bad, but, you know, it's like they're taken out of context, edited. And I, thankfully, I've had one person had the decency to call and say, hey, um, did you mean what it sounded like you meant in that video? I was like, absolutely not. You know, but I was thankful he at least called, you know, most people. And, and I told him, I said, you know, I don't even worry about it because most people, they're going to believe what they want to believe. If they don't like me, they're going to love that stuff. If they do like me, they're going to see through it. And it doesn't change anyone's minds. It, people don't, people's minds are not changed by that stuff. It just is a way to rile up your base. And so... And I'm just, you know, and we do, our family gets entertained by that stuff. We watch that stuff and we laugh and, uh, we, we let our kids watch it. <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, it's, uh, it, it's, it's entertaining, but I don't, I don't deserve that. I'm, I'm not worthy of that kind of negative attention, but if people want to give it to me, uh, you know, flattery will get you everywhere, I guess, <laughs> but I, but I am flattered, but anyway, we only have one master, and that's Jesus, since that makes all of us equal. And that's the way we ought to treat each other. Equal. In fact, let's each esteem other better than themselves. That's the way well, that's what you ought to do. You ought to look at everybody as they're better than me. That should be your attitude. But no, the the modern day Pharisees, you know, these big name preachers, they love to surround themselves with servants instead of being a servant. Verse eleven, you know, but he that is greatest among you shall be your servant. And then look what, it, and then these same so-called preachers, I believe they are standing in the way of people entering into the kingdom of heaven. Look what it says. It says in verse 13, but woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye shut up the kingdom of heaven against men. How do they do that? Well, they're not, one, they don't go out soul winning because they don't think, they're not going to let these people just call on the name of the Lord for salvation when they're not willing to come to their church and start tithing and turning from their sins and turning their life around. Now, you people aren't really saved. They're not even going to try. They're not even going to try and saying they're scared of giving them a false profession. I mean, what a cop-out that is. But they are they are stopping the people. They're telling people you've got to repent of your sins to be saved. You're stopping them from going to the kingdom of heaven when you do that. They're, tell, they're investing everything into conforming one person into their image instead of just preaching the gospel. They're, 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 they're compassing sea and land to make one proselyte. Let's get one person. Let's focus all our attention on getting that one person and let's pull him out of the gutter. Let's clean him up and let's get him looking like us so they can get him behind a pulpit and he can tell his story. You know, I was in the gutter. I was, a, you know, I was a drunkard and a drug addict. And Pastor So and So came and gave me the gospel, and he pulled me out of there. Look at me preaching the gospel today. Look, you know, now I've never been the same since. You know, I truly got saved. And then, you know, this pastor—they they parade these guys around, 
And they give because it makes them look good. It lifts them up. If they can go and pull somebody out of this horrible situation and conform them to their image. And it's great if you can do that. But you understand that we're not about just making people like us. We're about trying to give people the gospel and getting them saved. But then these guys do. They go get their one token convert. That, that who knows how much, you know, they don't tell you the backstory. The thing that they had to do to actually get him in church regular is they had to pretty much take him in and pay all his bills and give him a place to live and sleep and feed him. And the guy's been freeloading on the church for months. I mean, you, you go find somebody out in the streets and you take care of all their needs. They'll do what you want them to do. They'll follow your rules. But is that salvation? No, but it sure make us look good, wouldn't it? You know, we need to start doing before and after pictures, you know. Go get, you know, let's go find the nastiest person in town, you know, get him saved, go buy him some new clothes, pay for him a haircut, you know, all those things, make ourselves look good. Yeah, it, it's, it's a big show. And in the meantime, they're focusing all their attention on one guy who, you know what, as soon as they start, you know, giving him stuff, he's gone. Well, they could have been out just giving the gospel to people who would be willing to listen. But they will, they will literally, they'll find that man that can form their image. And they, they'll parade them around. Like, this is what it means to get saved. To go from what he was to this. You know? Get some sharp looking guy, walk up there behind the pulpit, give a testimony, preach a great message after he gets done. Flash a picture of some nasty character, you know, on the screen. Y'all probably never give a guy like that the time of day. See that guy there, most of you ignore a man like that. Most of you, you know, wouldn't pay any attention. You wouldn't give him the gospel. You'd say, he stinks too bad. You know, he's, no, he hasn't got a chance. Nobody ever listened to him. You know who that is? That's the man who just preached his sermon behind the pulpit. You know, and they do these things and it's a big show. And that's what the Pharisees did. That's exactly what the Pharisees did. And Jesus, he called them out for that. And that very thing is going on today. And the things these preachers not understand is their desire for praise, honor, and money. It's the very thing that's going to cause them to receive the greater damnation. You all see what it said in there? You're going to receive the greater damnation. What does that mean? Well, first, I believe, one, if they're not saved, I believe hell is going to be hotter for these people. I believe hell is going to be a little hotter for some of these false prophets that are out there that are sending people to hell. But you know what? Damnation doesn't always mean, you know, uh, spiritual death. I believe if a guy is saved and is preaching this kind of junk, I just think it could mean he's going to have a destructive end. And maybe that's why we see so many of these big name preachers fall and they fall hard. You know why? Maybe they are saved. Maybe these guys are saved and they're preaching garbage. They're preaching lies and they're leading people astray. And God says, you know what? I'm dealing with you. You're receiving the greater damnation and they have horrible ends as a result of it. Because this kind of thing, it's, it's running rampant in churches today. And I'm afraid that church, it is, it's become a production. It's become a show. And it's, no, it's bigger. It's not bigger anywhere than in some of these conferences and camp meetings. And these guys, they've got this attitude, you know, if you're a preacher behind the pulpit. It's just the greatest thing. I've watched preachers. They'll have the, they'll spend thousands of dollars putting these big meetings together. 
you know, so they can have some of these big names come in. And they love doing the thing, too. I, I watched one one time. It was a big thing. And he got his son up there to preach, you know. And as soon as the son starts preaching, he's like up there bawling. Oh, I'm so proud of my boy. It's like, because he's, he's preaching at a big meeting. You know, do you start crying when he's out preaching the gospel to the lost? Are you crying when he's preaching the gospel to the nursing home? Are, you know, are you crying when he's preaching to those places? But no, when it's at the big conference, all of a sudden it's a big deal. I've seen, I've seen pastors travel, or preachers travel long distances so they could go hear their son preach at some big conference. Because man, what, what an honor this is. What an honor to preach at a big conference. Yeah, it's a big honor, a big earthly honor. And you know what? They have their reward. But you know what? I am just as proud, if not more proud, of my boys when I see them out walking the streets preaching the gospel. I would rather see that than them acting like a big shot at some conference somewhere, just up there just puking forth, you know, bombastic stories about themselves. I can care less about that. I would have them doing real preaching. Real preaching versus pulpiteering. Just going around from place to place, showing how awesome they are. Let me tell you, Jason, if he wanted to, he could be an entertaining preacher. I mean, the, guy, the guy's a natural actor. He can imitate anybody. You know, all he's got to do, he could spend, he could watch one sermon by one of these well-known preachers and he could, he could preach just like him if he wanted to. The, the guy's a great imitator and he's a great showman. So that's not what a preacher's supposed to be. Absolutely not, but that's what a lot of them are. They're showmen. They're performers. And the only place these people preach is behind a pulpit. So how do you know that's the only place they preach? Because if they ever preach anywhere else, they're tweeting about it. And, and these same people, they criticize the real preaching on foot, door to door. They criticize it. And you know what? I would, I would rather have a faithful soul winner get up and preach here in my church than the most... Big name, well-known camp meeting preacher. Care, I care less about that. And I don't think God cares about it either. We do not have ranks in fundamentalism. We are all sons. Therefore, we're all equal. We are all servants. And that's the attitude we need to have. And we need God to raise up some preachers in this church. Male and female. Preachers. That will go out on foot. Preaching the gospel. You know what? I want us to have some pulpiteers too. I'd like to have some people who can get up and they can edify the church and they can be a blessing to the church. I'd like to have some of that too. For sure. With the men. All right, not, not the ladies. With, with the men. And so, I hope that you'll, I hope you'll encourage your boys to do You know, don't get this attitude, you know, I, I didn't want my boy to be a pulpiteer and preach in the big meetings. No. Raise up a preacher. How do you do that? Take them out soul winning. Start them young. The youngies, I thank God I started, I started doing that one. I don't know when I started. I grew up with it. And I, I thank God for that. And that's, what you, that's a great thing you can pass on to your kid. And so I hope you'll do that. So with that, let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you, Lord, for your goodness to us. And uh, Lord, I just thank you for the ability to, uh, the, to preach the gospel, Lord. I'm, I'm thankful to be able to get up behind a pulpit whenever I can and uh, to preach the, uh, preach that way, Lord, to teach the scriptures. But God, I pray to help all of us to be more faithful to just be preaching everywhere we go, preaching in our neighborhoods, preaching in the nursing homes, just uh, preaching door to door wherever we can. I pray to help us to be focused and looking for souls. In your name, we pray. Amen.